Uh, Well, today, if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 16, we'll get to those here in just a couple of minutes. We will look at one section of Scripture, just reference it before we get to that one. Uh, But that's the one that the message is really uh, grounded in, so you can hold your place there. Uh, Or again, we will show these on the screen uh, behind me. Have you ever had an experience where you had a string of bad luck with service providers, you know, maybe uh, refrigerator repair people or, you know, some type of service. And, and a friend tells you that they know of someone who does the exact kind of work that you've had trouble with, that this person or company is absolutely great at what they do. They absolutely can guarantee you that this company will not let you down like all the previous ones have. They're really different, and they will do the job right. And so you hire that person or that company, and then you have the exact same bad experience that you've had with all of the other ones. I see a few heads nodding. Any of you had that kind of an experience? Yes, uh, I'm not the only one. Thankfully, that would have created a crisis of faith for me if I had been the only only one. Uh, It's disappointing when we expect something different, but we get the exact same thing. We get the same old thing. Maybe you've had this happen with a restaurant. If you like, you know, eating out as much as I do, you know, you get excited when people tell you that there's a new restaurant out there. It's it's unique and it's different and you've just got to try it. And then you go and you try it for yourself and your assessment of it is that it's the same overpriced, unimpressive food that you could get at any of the places that you don't go anymore. It's disappointing when you're expecting something to be different than the same old, same old, only to end up with the same old thing yet again. We started a series last week that's going to take us into December, and the series is called Make a Difference. And what we're doing in this series is we're considering ways that Christians can make a positive difference in the world with the limited, precious time that God has given us on this earth. You know, Christians are supposed to be different than the same old, same old. Do we recognize that? We're supposed to be different. I mean, think about what we claim about ourselves. We say that we are people who have received Christ as Savior, but not just as Savior. We have received Christ as Lord, Master, Ruler. We say that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which means that we are claiming that God himself dwells within us. That's, that's different. That's different. Here's how Peter describes followers of Christ in 1 Peter 2. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God 
on the day he visits us. Absolutely everything within those verses communicates that Christians are different, chosen, royal, belonging to God, called out of darkness into light, aliens and strangers in the world, those who live such good lives that even people who are antagonistic toward you have to admit, well, that's a pretty good person right there. First Peter and other places throughout Scripture let us know that Christians are people who are set apart. We aren't just part of the crowd. We are set apart for God. We belong to God. We are different. But here's something unfortunate. We're often not as different as we should be. We're often not as different as advertised. And when, instead of being truly different, we're revealed to be more of just the same old thing, a couple of things happen, more than a couple of things, but two that I want to mention. People who are looking for and hoping to find someone they can look to and recognize they're someone who's really different and who really lives consistent with their profession of faith, Those people become disappointed, perhaps even disillusioned, and we fail to fulfill our calling in the world to be different, to be what we're going to look at here in just a minute, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. So today I want us to consider that we can make a difference in the world by being different, by being who we're supposed to be. In Jesus. You want to make a difference in the world? Be different than the world. That's what we're considering today. Our text is Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Here's what it has to say. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. There are four qualities associated with salt that let us know what Jesus intends for his followers in in sharing these thoughts. Those four qualities are purity, preventing corruption or serving as a preservative, bringing out flavor, and creating thirst. Now, if you're like me, I don't necessarily associate salt with purity today, though uh, the whiteness of the salt might bring purity to mind. But in the ancient world, salt was absolutely connected in people's minds with purity. And so to be the salt of the earth means that followers of Christ are to be people who are pure. You may have noticed that we live in a world where uh, ethical and moral standards are being lowered all the time. Just when you think they can't go any lower, they do. We live in a world where society's great institutions are no longer trusted by most people. And understandably so. 
It doesn't matter if you're talking about institutions in business, government, academia, or even, sadly, uh, sometimes the church uh, itself. Christians are to be different than the culture that's lowering standards. In a world that is doing this, Christians are to be people who uphold the highest moral and ethical standards. But too often, what we find is many Christians just going with the flow and joining everyone else in the lowering of standards. If we want to make a difference in the world, we need to be different. We need to be the people who uphold the highest standards. The second characteristic of salt is that it prevents corruption. It serves as a preservative. Now, with the ease of refrigeration that we have available to us today, uh, most of us are not as uh, knowledgeable of the preservative quality of salt, but but we know that this is true. Uh, Jesus is saying that those who follow him are called in part to prevent corruption in the world around them. If you haven't realized that that's part of our responsibility as Christians, it is to prevent corruption in the world around us. Have you noticed that in the company of some people, it is really easy to be good, really easy. In fact, I think it's about the highest compliment that you can ever pay a person to be able to say of them or even share with them this truth that when I am around you, I want to be a better person. You really can't give someone any higher compliment than that. These kind of people prevent corruption. But have you also noticed that there are other people that you can be around and it is really easy around them to be bad? Don't point at anyone (laughs) in here. But it's true. Around some people, there is just an increased comfort level with lowering standards. Christians should be the people who prevent corruption, who preserve what is good and what is right. That's at the individual level. I am absolutely convinced that this responsibility to be salt extends to the cultural and societal levels as well. Christians should be people who prevent corruption in the culture in society. How have we done at that? I would say we've not done very well. Why are we where we're at as a society today? Why are there 1.3 million abortions performed every year in this country? And while I know this is a, a hot issue right now and Many pastors tell me to never say anything about such things. Why, why are we redefining marriage to mean something that it never meant and that objectively it isn't? Why? why that's all right. No, no, no. I appreciate it. But why, why, why are we doing that? It is because too many Christians have failed to be the salt that they're called to be. That's why it is. It's because instead of being different like we're supposed to be, we are just like everyone else. I'm not saying you're like everyone. You know what I'm saying. Collectively, the church too much is just like everyone else. I sometimes discuss with people. I I would, it might more accurately be called argue with people, but 
uh, discuss is a more polite term, so I'll use that one. Uh, I have discussions with people who think that Christians should just relegate themselves to the margins of society, that we should cede all public policy and public discourse on really important issues to non-Christians. And I have just never understood this thinking. Now, I may be able to understand that thinking if you're living in first century Palestine under Roman occupation. But in 2014 in the United States of America, we're not living in first century Palestine under Roman occupation. We are instead living in a form of government that invites the participation of all of its citizens. May not necessarily like or appreciate the participation of all of its citizens, but it invites the participation of all of its citizens. When Christians opt out of something that they are invited in to influence, I say we are failing to be the salt that Jesus calls us to be. Why in the world would Christians ever say, let's just let all the people who are in favor of unrighteousness make all of the decisions for the culture and the society that we live in? I don't know why we would do that. And yet, by and large, the Christian church is moving rapidly in that direction of just ceding all uh, cultural ground. Now, we need to understand that man-made institutions can never bring about the heart change that people need. So Christians do err when they see political action or public advocacy as the primary means of societal change. But when it comes to preventing corruption and we choose to leave any tool in our toolbox unused, I think we have failed at being different. We have failed at being the salt that Jesus calls us to be. The third quality of salt is that it brings out the flavor of food. And Myron Augsburger has a a great quote about this characteristic of salt and of the church. Here's what he uh, says. When salt is applied to food properly, it is not so that one can taste the salt, but so that food itself tastes more authentically as it should. As salt makes food more foodier, his word, not mine, more foodier, the disciples of the salt, as the salt of the earth make the earth more authentically as it should be. Isn't that a good line? Friends, this world is not as it's meant to be. This place is fallen from how it was intended. This place that we live in is messed up. And it's not going to be made completely right until Christ returns. We know that. But when we are the kind of different that we're supposed to be, when we live ethically and morally, when we do good, when we live for God, when we serve our purpose of preserving and flavoring our surroundings, when our relationship with God is restored and we walk in the closeness with God that our first ancestors forfeited through their sin, when we choose obedience to God rather than the disobedience of our first ancestors, when we do these things, we bring out the flavor that God intended in the beginning. We make the earth more like it was intended to be. We make it more authentically as it should be. This makes a difference 
in the world. We make a difference by being different. And fourth, salt creates thirst. When we live different than the rest of the world, when we live ethically in the midst of unethical behavior, when we live morally in the midst of immorality, when we do good even though we're surrounded by bad, when we return evil with good, it makes others desire to live that way too. Now, it must be said that it doesn't make everyone want to live that way. It doesn't make everyone want to live that way. But here's who it makes want to live that way. Here's who it makes thirsty to be like that. People who God is calling to himself. People that the Holy Spirit is already at work in their lives, already at work in their hearts. People who the Bible refers to as being ripe for the harvest. For those people, when we live like we ought to live, when we're different, it creates in them a thirst to be different too. It creates in them a thirst for God. You're the salt of the earth. We make a difference by being different. So we find here that uh, followers of Christ are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, Jesus says that we are the light of the world. Remember, Jesus said this very same thing about himself in John 9, 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So that's what he said in John 9, 5 here in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. So when he says that to us, when he, when he looked at his disciples and by extension us, us and says, you are the light of the world, he was demanding that his followers should be like him. How are we doing with that? How like him are we really? What does light do? Light dispels darkness. It dispels darkness. My family and I went on a western road trip this year and we toured the Cave of the Winds in Colorado Springs. And at one point when we were deep in the cave, they turned the lights out. And some of you have probably had similar experiences in other places or maybe even that same place. But it was a darkness like I had never experienced. I mean, when they say you can feel darkness, you really can feel darkness. I, I could feel it. But then the lights were turned back on. And instantly, the darkness was dispelled. The darkness left. Christians are to be people who dispel Darkness. We are to shine for Jesus in this dark world. So light dispels darkness. Light is also a guide. It shows the way. Christians are to be people who show the way. Light can also be a warning light. If I am headed toward a construction zone and there is a bridge that I'm used to traveling that is now out, I want a barricade with some big flashing lights telling me to stop. Don't you? I'm thankful for those flashing lights when there's danger ahead. It is sometimes the duty of Christians to warn people of danger. Friends, Christians cannot be, no matter how much cultural pressure there is, Christians cannot be people who ever affirm the world in its sin. It just can't be. Because people who are affirmed in their sin never come to the place of realizing 
their need of a savior. Christians must always be people who lovingly, graciously, winsomely warn people that sin leads to destruction. Because it is not until people realize their sin that they recognize their need and can receive their Savior. Now, this is a really difficult thing to do. It's very hard to do this and not cause more harm than good. Again, especially in the cultural climate that we find ourselves in. But here's the best we can do in my view. I I don't think we can do any better than this. And that is that we always count ourselves among those that are in need of God's mercy and grace. We can never present ourselves as having in some way attained a level where we no longer need God's mercy and grace in our own lives. It's not true. It's not true. We need his mercy and grace every single day. But I, I believe that our, with our posture toward the culture, this is the best we can do. We cannot go beyond that. We, we cannot stop speaking against sin, even if many or most people reject the message. Because until we see ourselves in need of a Savior, we are simply out of the reach of God's grace. This is why Christians who have convinced themselves that we can't ever say anything that challenges the sinfulness of the culture, I believe, are so horribly misguided. Listen, those who God is calling... Those who the Holy Spirit is at work in their hearts, those who are ripe for the harvest, those are people who are able to hear and able to acknowledge their sin. Those who insist they aren't sinners, those who insist they're just fine the way they are, they are not ready for the harvest. And your affirmation of them in their sin isn't going to make them ready. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit drawing people to himself. And when the Holy Spirit is drawing someone to himself, then they are able to hear the truth, they are able to admit the truth about themselves, and they will then turn to Christ for salvation. Light dispels darkness. It serves as a guide, it can be a warning light. In darkness, light is different. We make a difference by being different than our surroundings. We're light in darkness. We're the restored among the fallen. We're life in the midst of death. We're different. At least we are meant to be. To dispel darkness, though, light can't be hidden. Light overcomes darkness every single time without fail, but light that is hidden, light that is put under a bowl, as Jesus referenced, light that is covered up doesn't do anything. Then the darkness is allowed to prevail. All Christians are called to be light, but there are too many of us that are called to be light, called to dispel darkness, called to be an example, but instead we have cloaked our light in something that looks exactly like the darkness that is all around us. Too many Christians are purposely blending in. When they're meant to stand out, they're meant to be different. They're they're kind of like a Cleveland Browns fan that goes to a Steelers game in Pittsburgh and is afraid of getting beat up, so they put on a Steelers jersey. 
No self-respecting Browns fan would ever do such a thing. And yet, this is what Christians do all the time. We belong to Jesus. We go out into a world that's hostile to him. And so we put on the jersey of the world. We, we mask who we belong to, what team we're on. Light and salt make a difference by being different. Christians are meant to make a difference by being different. So now it's time for us to, to think about ourselves a bit. It's time for us to examine ourselves. I, I include myself in this you that I'm about to use, but you, you, you apply it to you. Are you different? Are you different? Or are you just like everyone else? Does your life indicate that God dwells in you? Or do you look like the unconverted people all around you? Are you letting your light shine or are you hiding it, keeping it from dispelling the darkness that it's meant to dispel? Friends, if you want to make a difference in the world, then you have to be different than the world. You have to be who you are in Christ, who God has declared you to be in Christ. You have to be that. You have to live up to that. If we fail to be different than the world, we disappoint and disillusion those who are looking to us to be different. And we fail to fulfill a key part of our calling in the world. If we're to make a difference in the world, we need to be salt and light in every single area of our lives. We need to be salt and light to our families. We need to be salt and light at work. You realize what a difference you can make just by conducting yourself ethically at work? You can stand out from the crowd in our culture simply by living ethically. We need to be salt and light at school, salt and light in our universities, salt and light at the PTA or the PTO, salt and light when we go to the gym, salt and light in politics. We are called to be salt and light in every single area of our lives, to be different, to stand out from the crowd. And it's all toward this end. Verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We are called to be different for the glory of God. Make a difference by being different for the glory of God. You say, Brian, I want to be different for the glory of God, but how? I just can't seem to do it. I've, I've been a Christian for years, but if I'm honest, I've just, I've looked like the world most of the time that I've been a Christian. How, how, how do I do this? I want to, but I can't. You're right, you can't. But God can. God can. If you are born again, but you're finding yourself not living like the person that God has declared you to be in Christ, the answer to how you can start being different for the glory of God really comes down to a very simple idea. You need more of Jesus. You need more of Jesus. 
And so you've simply got to press in to Jesus more. You need to invest more in your relationship with Christ. And you need to allow his word, the Bible, and his spirit to transform you. We make a difference in the world by being different, by more and more becoming the people that God calls us to be through the transforming work of the Word and the Spirit. We're called to be different for the glory of God. Let's agree today as one people to press more into Jesus so that we can make a difference in the world by being different in the world for the glory of God. Why don't you stand?